Well, good morning again, and thanks for being with us this holiday weekend. I hope that you are going to get some time to relax tomorrow, uh, to rest a little bit, to enjoy the weather, and I know you're going to get to eat some good food because we're going to do that in a few minutes. So I'm excited for that. Thanks again for being here. My name's Corey, if we haven't met before, um, and thanks for being here in the room, or if you're watching, you're, you're sitting on a beach somewhere where all, we might all be jealous of you, uh, and when watching along or wherever you're connecting, it is great to be with you today. Well, today is kind of a, in a unique day, right? We'll do the tailgate outside. This is the first time we've done this in this church context, so a little bit of learning curve. So thanks for sticking with us through that. We just ended our series that we were going through, through Easter and kind of into the spring. And now we're going to transition into the series that we're going to do over the summer, which will kick off next week. But we have one singular conversation. And so here's the title of our conversation today, How to Ruin a Barbecue. So I'm going to teach you how to do that before we go outside, right? You might be saying, well, why are we having this conversation? This isn't the conversation I expected uh, in church or I expected my pastor to be having with me. But I want to just kind of tee it off with this. When we enter summer and we get into this season, it affords us some unique opportunities, It gives us the opportunity to maybe meet some new people, meet some different people. Uh, We get to go and be at different social gatherings that don't always happen in the colder months. And so we've actually even realized this, and just as the weather has gotten warmer, because we moved to our new house in the middle of June last year. And so we were moving in the midst of it getting warmer, which was great, but that meant that we had to unpack everything, and we had to be inside for that, and we had to figure that out, and we didn't know the area yet, and we didn't know all the places to go. And so even this year already, we felt like we've gotten to see more people because we weren't so focused on trying to figure out where we live, but trying to figure out, okay, who's around us and what's going on. And so you just get to interact with different people in different ways when the summer comes along, and you get to be in different places. People travel more, and so you get to go to the beach, or you go to the mountains, or you go to a park, or something like that, and you just see different people. And when we get into those different social interactions, we know that this is true. Some topics are just off limits. Some things you're just not going to talk about. Or if you hear somebody else talking about them, you get a little awkward, right? So like politics and religion are usually at the top of that category. Money can be at the top of that category. And so you're almost careful, maybe, when you start to have conversations about the news or what's going on, like how much do I say about what I think happened or didn't happen or what this person's doing or what that person's doing. And some things are just kind of held on to as you, you just don't broach that topic. And if there's somebody that does breach that topic, you, you cringe a little bit, maybe. You're like, it's awkward. And you don't know what to do with that. And so when politics and religion sit at the top of that list, we find ourselves in kind of an odd spot if you are a follower of Jesus, of how you kind of work through that and and you interact in that way. Here's the other thing that can be true, that absolutes in our culture can be seen as a sign of hate or a sign of fear. And so if we decide as followers of Jesus that we're going to speak what we believe is true, well then if we make an absolute statement, about something, we might be seen as either hateful or fearful. And so if you make a statement about who someone's identity is or what someone's identity is or is not, you might be seen as someone who is hateful towards that person because you're not affirming what that person believes about them. If you make a statement about what rules or regulations should be put in place because of something that happened, well, then maybe you're just someone who is fearful. 
someone who, who's just afraid of things and just wants to remove yourself from the equation. And so when we make these absolute statements, we can be seen as hateful or fearful. So again, when we, when we are going to then speak truth and maybe make statements about what Jesus says or what the Bible says or what Scripture tells us, what we believe to be true, we run that risk of maybe see, being seen as either hateful or fearful. And then it boils down to this, right? Nobody wants to be that guy. Nobody wants to be that girl. Nobody wants to be the person who just, you see, they see you coming or you see that person coming and all of a sudden you're like, oh no, what's the conversation going to be? When I was in middle school and maybe even a little bit into high school, we had something we did. I don't know if you guys that are my age remember this, but we called it the awkward turtle. You guys remember? Okay, good. There's other millennials nodding at me. So if you were in an, a social situation and someone would come up and start to have a conversation and it just kind of got awkward, you would, you're just like, I don't know what to say. And you just do like the awkward turtle and then other people would do it. And if you're the only one not doing the awkward turtle, you're the awkward person, okay? You're the person that is, is making the conversation awkward. And no one wants to be that person. And so we find ourselves, I believe, as followers of Jesus in this awkward tension of when we step into social arenas and we go into things like barbecues and tailgates and 4th of July parties and all of that stuff, and there are people there who are not followers of Jesus, where is the line where I go, I need to still continue to be a follower of Jesus, and yet I don't want to be the only one not doing the awkward turtle? How do I find that place, and how do I live that out as I step into this space this summer And so the question is really this, how do we remain faithful to Jesus and still get invited to the barbecue? Because at some point, if you're seen as someone who's that guy or that girl, you just might end up not invited or the opposite will happen and you will only be invited to places where people believe the same thing as you. And I don't think either one of those things is what we are called to be and do. So there's a few verses I want to look at today in our, in our brief time together. Again, you can go, if you take your uh, Next Steps card and you'd like to follow along, just scan that little QR code uh, on the back, or you can scan on the, on the screen if you're quick enough. And uh, it'll give you all the verses, all the notes and everything for today. You can follow along. But the first place I'm going to go is Mark 16. And we're just going to read verse 15. And so Jesus is having a conversation with the disciples right before he heads back to heaven. He says, it says this, and then he told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Now, obvious thing to point out, it's a very blanket statement, right? So there's not like, go to this place and not this place. He does get there in some other ways. He gives us this wave that goes out, actually. Jesus teaches them. But eventually the idea is that every nook and cranny of the globe would be covered in this understanding that we would take the gospel, we would take the good news, we would take the news about Jesus to everybody. So what we can't do when we think about getting into these social situations in our culture and what our culture thinks about us, what we can't do is set it aside and just say when we get out of the car and walk to the barbecue or when we, whatever, we can't just leave Jesus in the car. So we have to take Jesus with us. We're called to be people who take the good news to everyone And yet this is also true in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, it says this. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we say, come back to God. Now that's a very important word. Think about that word ambassador. How do we understand who ambassadors are? Will they go to other places where they don't belong or they're not from, and they build relationships with people from that space, 
and they teach them or interact with them or share with them what is believed or thought or about where they are from. And so when we get to be that ambassador, guess what? We have to then, a good ambassador knows the people that are around them. They know how to interact. They know what the culture is. They know how to speak their language. They know how to show up and not necessarily stick out like a sore thumb, right? They can be a part of the culture and still influence the culture or help people understand the culture where they are from. And so we're called to be those ambassadors as we take the gospel and we share it. We're called to be seen as the ambassador who is going to make the appeal to the people around us and speak the truth. And so what I think is true as we step into the summer and what that looks like and how we interact with that is that our conviction cannot take a vacation. You can take a vacation, but you can't leave Jesus at home. This is the difficult part. Because at some level, I understand church is work. Church is work. And so is following Jesus. And so when you go on vacation, one of the things that you might be looking forward to this summer is not having to serve in the area. Like, like take a break from that. And that's okay. That's good. That's a positive thing to take a break from those things. But sometimes what happens is when church takes work and when our relationship with Jesus is work, what happens is sometimes when we set that aside and we go, I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a vacation from my vocation. I'm going to take a vacation maybe from your kids for a while, right? You're going to take a vacation from, maybe it's your husband or your wife, right? You're like, I'm going for a while. Like you just, I'm going to take a vacation from all the responsibilities. Sometimes Jesus gets lumped in with that. And what I'm saying is we can't just allow our convictions, what we believe to simply take a vacation because we do. I know, and, and this is okay, like I'm, not, I'm just pointing out obvious things, but I know as a church leader that we would expect less people over the summer. And you can expect me less this summer. I will be here next week, and I'm not going to be here for two weeks because I'm going on vacation. So there, you, you're fine. You can go on vacation. That's good. But we lose some of that regularity, right? We lose some of that stuff during the summer, which is good. But don't leave Jesus out. Don't set him aside and say, I'm going to take a vacation from him too. Here's the other thing. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but your life is a commercial about Jesus. And my life is a commercial about Jesus. So when we identify as his follower, what we do and what we say and how we interact reflects on not just us, but him. I think about this, and I think I've said this to you guys before. I think about this a lot as someone who, again, is a church leader. Because what happens is I recognize when I say something or do something or promote something or talk about something that I watch or I do or whatever, that sometimes what can happen with that is other people can look at that and say, well, Pastor Corey does it, so it's okay for me. And I'm not saying that what Pastor Corey does is not okay for you. I'm just saying what we endorse at times is seen as then a reflection on what it means to be something else. And the reality is sometimes the right thing for you is not the right thing for me. Or the right thing for me is not the right thing for you. But it's a tension that we live in to understand that our life is a commercial about Jesus. And the difficult thing about that is it's true on the beach. It's true at the theme park. It's true at the pool. It's all true of all those things. And so when we interact, even if people don't know we're a Jesus follower yet, immediately when they learn we are, they process everything they've seen from us through that lens. And say, oh, well, is this what Jesus followers do? Is this what Jesus is calling me to do? Is this the type of person that Jesus would have us be? And so as we enter this space of, of different way of life for a few months before we get back to schedules and we get back to school and we get back to all this stuff, right? We have to recognize our convictions can't just go to the side. We can't leave Jesus to the side. And the way that we live in those spaces 
tells something about Jesus to the people around us that don't know him. And so getting really practical for just a few minutes, let's, let's think about this. As you enter into these spaces, whether it's a barbecue or it's a 4th of July or it's at the beach or it's whatever it might be, um, how do you do this? How do you live in the tension of, I need to be a Christ follower, but I don't want to be the person who makes it awkward. I don't want to be the person who then has to be seen as maybe that person or not that person. So I have three things for us today that just kind of process practically as to how we do this and how we engage with people in having conversations about the gospel. The first thing is be open to the conversation. Be open to the fact that if you're standing around a grill or a cooler with somebody and you're going to have a conversation with them, they may go to a space where a spiritual conversation can happen. I've had it happen. I've been out with some of my friends before and we're having a conversation and that person had just lost a grandparent. And they said, I haven't gone to church in years. I don't know anything to do with this. And I do not understand any of the rituals we just had happen at this funeral. That was them bringing it up to me, right? I didn't bring up church. They were just talking about they going through this space in their life and whatever. And I could have easily just went, yeah, church is weird, right? Like that's how I could have left the conversation or that denomination is weird because it was a mainline denomination. It wasn't the same as ours. And so like I didn't understand everything that was happening, honestly. But I leaned into that and I was like, what do you mean? Like when was the last time you went to church? What did you experience? What was the point behind that? And I just started asking questions. I didn't say like, oh yeah, like this is where your grandma or grandpa's going based on what they believed or didn't, right? I just started to have the conversation. What does that mean? How did that feel? What was church like to you? And we started to have a, a conversation about what it meant to be a part of the church. And so one of the other things under this is that we should start a dialogue instead of a singular conversation. Sometimes what happens is we put pressure on like, oh, I get one conversation with this person and if I don't tell them about Jesus, I'm going to miss it. Sometimes, sure, we should have that urgency. But here's, here's what I know. Some of you, let's just go raise of hands. How many of you like to fish? Anybody like to fish? Okay, I've got a handful. My son is getting into fishing, so I think I'm going to have to start getting into fishing because he wants to do it. So, so in seeing that, here's what I know. The few times I've fished, here's what I know to be true. I didn't go out with a rod, throw the bait out there one time, not catch anything, and walk away. So that's a waste of time, Right? I threw the bait out on the hook, and we did that once, and then we did it again. I did deep-sea fishing on a boat one time. Didn't catch a single thing. They kept telling us, there's fish under the boat. Yeah, okay, well, they're not on the boat because nobody's catching them. So, like, we would throw them, and we would go, right? And we would do this. We did this for three hours that we did this. And I know that I wasn't just going to do it once. I didn't just do it once and forget it. Here's, here's what's true, right? When we have these conversations with people, you're throwing kind of, not like you're trying to hook them or something like that, but you're throwing bait in the water. You're having the conversation, And if it doesn't land that one time, it doesn't mean we just go, oh, well, that's never going to happen. It's not going to be there. It's not going to be the case for them. It's a consistent dialogue. So you can walk away from that conversation, just say, okay, we had a good conversation and say, if you ever want to talk about that again, just let me know. I'm open to that. Text me, email me, whatever, call me. Let's have the conversation. It doesn't have to be a one-time thing. We can start a dialogue and have this back and forth with people so that we can continue to influence their lives for Jesus. The second thing I would say is this, that we should break some of the tension. There's always going to be tension when you're going, you believe something differently than me, and I believe something differently than you, and we're in a space together, and we're having a conversation about it. Some of you, that makes your skin crawl. I really like an argument, so I think that's fun. But like we get into this conversation, we start to have some attention, but here's how you do that, right? You find some common ground. If somebody says, hey, I've had a difficult background with church, I didn't enjoy it, it wasn't fun, it was hot, and the preacher talked too long. 
right? You're like, hey, my preacher talks too long too. Like, you can say that to them. I'm fine with that. So you just go to the common ground and say, this is where we get to. This is the commonness that we feel. I've had a hard church situation. I've had a church leader do something wrong, or I've, I've not liked to be there. I've not liked to sit there, or I've, I've had doubts, Right, I don't know that I believe that God created the world in seven days. I don't know. About, I have doubts about that too. Like I think about that. What does that mean? And we find that common ground to say not everything has to be, well, I believe this and I believe that. But we can come together and say, how do we have that dialogue and get into the conversation? And the third thing is this, and this is the one we can't leave behind, right? That we would speak truth. That obviously when we get into these conversations, and, and the way that I'm talking about this today, I hope you don't hear just go and not be the weird guy or the weird girl, but to go and to dig in and, and, and to bring truth forward, to have a conversation about what we believe is actually the case. Because here's what's true, and, and some people will claim this, and I don't think it's true, I think this is true, that everyone has faith and everyone believes absolutes. Even though some people would say, I don't have faith in God, or I don't have faith in a greater power, I don't have faith in that, right? And I don't believe absolutes are true, I think that's a lie. I think everyone actually does. I think everyone has faith in something, whether it's as little as the chair you're sitting on not giving away or your car starting. Or they have faith in the idea that they're going to send their kid to school and they're going to learn something. Or they're going to, they're going to grow up and they're going to parent them and they're going to become, uh, they're going to grow in their maturity. They're going to live, like, right, we have, we have faith in structure sometimes and we have faith in those things. And then we do have absolutes. We believe that if someone does one thing, that, someone, that absolutely they should receive this consequence. That if this person treats me this way, then it is absolutely true that I should treat them that way. We do believe in, in absolutes. And so when we think about that, when we make that claim, we can say, well, do you, do you have faith in something? If they say no, we can have the conversation about, well, yeah, you do have faith in things as we see the process of life unfold. Do you have absolute truth? I think we do. And so when we understand that, when we get to the crux of, yeah, there is faith and absolutes involved in what we believe, then we can help lead them to the faith and the absolutes that we believe to be true. And then we can also lovingly lean into Jesus and lead them to that space. I've said this before, and I'll say it again, right? Anytime somebody has an issue with Christianity in some form, usually it has to do with a difficult teaching they found in Scripture or looking at a church or a church leader that led them astray or said something or did something that was wrong. And in neither one of those conversations necessarily does it have to do with a doubt in Jesus. And so we lean back and we come into, well, what do you think about him? What do you think about who he was? What do you believe about what he taught? And have that conversation and lead it back to that space and get past some of the baggage that might be there around faith and Christianity or, or religion in general. There's a great verse in Proverbs uh, chapter 19 and verse 2. It says this, Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. You ever hear that phrase, what is it, measure twice, cut once? Right, or you measure once and you cut twice because you messed up the measurement the first time? We've all, maybe, maybe you've been in a space or you've known somebody that got really excited about something and chased something down and screwed it up because you didn't have all the information. Or you bought the car too quickly and there was a problem. Or you bought the house. Or you took the job and you didn't realize it was going to be something. And so enthusiasm without having all the knowledge can be very dangerous. You can run into places and do things that you shouldn't have done. And as one of the other pastors in our fellowship was having a conversation around this verse a few years ago, he said this, and I think it's true too. 
It says, knowledge without enthusiasm is no good for Christians. Knowledge without enthusiasm is no good for Christians. So you're just switching it. We can have all the knowledge in the world, but then we have no enthusiasm about what we believe and then no one else gets told about Jesus. Then we walk into these spaces and we say, well, I'm just going to leave Jesus in the car. I'm going to leave Jesus at the beach house. I'm going to leave Jesus when I go into these spaces where I want to take a break. And I don't want to be seen as the person who makes things awkward. And so if we know it to be true, there should be some enthusiasm around it as we have these conversations. I know that none of this is uh, cookie cutter and easy. I know that there's always going to be that tension of when do I have that conversation with that person? How do I approach this topic? How do I engage in this space? But here's what I think we don't have the option to do, right? We don't have the option to just set Jesus aside and we don't have the option to only interact with people that look and think and believe like us. That's not the right side of the equation either. And so sometimes when we go, I'm just going to cut that portion out of my life or those people out of my life, sometimes boundaries are good, but at the same time, we have to be able to engage with people who don't believe and think and see things the same way we do. So I have three challenges as we wrap our time today, and you can kind of choose from the smorgasbord that you want to do to figure out how you live this out. The first thing is that we would treat this summer like a mission trip. And some of you are like, this is, that sounds awful. But here's what I know is, like when we were in youth groups sometimes, I got the opportunity to go on a few different mission trips, right? You, your schedule changes. You get to, I got to go overseas. I got to go uh, even just in the, same, in the country, like just go and do different things. And this doesn't mean that everything you do this summer has to be thought of as, well, I'm going somewhere as a missionary to someone else necessarily. You do get to take a break. You do get to take time. But when you go to those places, again, remember, the way that you live in those spaces is a commercial about Jesus. And so when you get to the hotel counter and your room's not ready yet, and it's three hours past when it was supposed to be ready, and you paid good money for this, and the other person on the other side of the computer doesn't seem to care, right? The way that we treat them tells them something about Jesus, whether they know we're a follower of Jesus or not. And so we treat that like when people see us, they see Jesus in us. The second thing I would say is this, that we would be an ambassador and not a fanatic. There's a difference, right? Now, when I say fanatic, you think big green guy who shoots hot dogs into the crowd if you're like me, right? But we know what a fanatic is, right? They're always, they've always got the t-shirt. They've always got the banner. They've always got the social posts on the certain thing. They've always got that, right? Everybody knows what they believe because they'll tell them immediately, right? Sometimes that's not the best option. Sometimes the best option is to be what I talked about when we talked about an ambassador. You would understand the context. You would understand the people. You would get what's going on in their life. You would understand them and speak truth into their situation. Instead of drawing attention to simply what you believe to be true. And rarely does one conversation change someone's heart. But that we would get them and understand them and learn to be in their context. And then be able to share truth into that. And here's the last thing. I would say choose one person and get to know their Jesus story. Everybody in our country has a Jesus story. Everybody in our country, very few people, right, would you stop on the street and just ask, have you ever heard of Jesus? Nobody in the United States is really going to say no to that, really, most of the time. They're going to have some interaction with Jesus, some impression of Jesus. Somebody has told them something, or they've read something, or they've seen a post, or whatever, right? 
pick a person and just say, you know what, this summer, I want to know what they think about him. It's not necessarily the conversation. It's not, there's no pressure there, right? You're not, your pressure is not to change them. Your pressure is not to influence them. Your pressure is not to make sure that their heart changes. The goal is to just understand what they believe about Jesus. So pick a person in your life that you don't know knows Jesus and just talk to them. Say, hey, what do you think about him? This doesn't even say anything about what you believe. It just says, what's the conversation? And that conversation could lead you to a space where you do get to speak truth to them about Scripture. And if you get that done with one person, pick somebody else. Pick someone else to have the conversation with. Just say, what do you think about Jesus? What do you know about him? What's your impression? And open the door to just have that conversation about him. I don't, I don't know what your plans are this summer. I hope you do have some time planned to get away some time planned to rest, some time planned to enjoy being outside or wherever space refuels your tank. But don't forget to take Jesus there. Don't forget to remember that your life is a commercial about him. And be willing to have the conversation with people that don't know him. Be willing to engage in that. Be willing to step into the awkwardness. And if someone gives you the awkward turtle, it's okay. They'll forget about it later have the conversation. Let's not leave Jesus out of whatever plans we have for this summer. Let's pray today. Lord, we are, we are thankful that we get to enjoy warm weather and, and we get to take a break from school, hopefully take a break from work schedule as normal and, and plan these trips and funds and, and camps and all that stuff that goes with summer. And I ask that as we engage with people, especially, you know, 4th of July and things like that, that we would be conscious of the commercial that our lives tell about you. That you would shine through our interactions with others and that you would give us the conversations that we're supposed to have this summer. I ask that you would give us the courage to ask that question, like, what do you think about Jesus? What's been your interaction with him? just to be able to process with people who you are and what you've done and what you taught. And hopefully, maybe at some point, when we throw the bait out and we reel back in, maybe there would be someone that would say, yes, I, I want to follow him. And we just ask that you would lead us to that space, that you would give us the words to say, that you would give us the courage to have those conversations. In Jesus' name.